What up, world? Your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's episode, we're going to dive deep on Scoot Henderson. To me, Scoot is the swing piece of whether this rebuild is in its nascent stages of becoming something or this is this is like square zero in a 15-step process. The Blazers, you know, have a lot invested in Scoot Henderson. They drafted him third overall. By drafting him, they kind of, by choosing to keep the draft pick, they kind of ushered Damian Lillard out the door, although they probably wanted to do that anyways, judging by some other moves they did and did not make. And, you know, and like very specifically, not only does he overlap with Damian Lillard, but he overlapped with Anthony Simons, who's the best player on the team a little bit. Like they have some real organizational investment in Scoot being the guy. It has been a rocky start to Scoot's career. It's been a little bumpy. Um, he's been he's been better lately. And what I want to dive into now is is and I want to I'll share this caveat here in the first two minutes of the episode because I think some people um, will need this and I want to give it to you. Nothing is definitive at this point in Scoot's career. He's 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 a young person, right? He's a teenager. Um, he's he's. He, 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 it, it is too early to say things. He's actually, he's 20. He turned, excuse me, he turned 20 on February 3rd. But like, he's um, he's three weeks into into his 20th year, right? Like, none of this is definitive. This is what we know now and what I think now based on what we have seen. So I want to dive into what's good, what's been bad, and what is Scoot's ceiling based on what we know or what his ceiling might be if that has changed at all and and what kind of Scoot means to the organization. That's what we will do in today's show. Let's start with the good, though. Um, This is kind of a throwback. If you all have been rocking with me for a long time, this can't be many of you because most of you, thankfully, the show has grown uh, a great deal over the last three, four years. Um, but if you were have been following my work since I was a beat writer for the Oregonian many moons ago, I used to write a, uh, a weekly stats column or kind of just like weekly kind of check-in column called the good, the bad, and the nerdy when I would check in on a good thing that happened, a bad thing that happened with the team and kind of sh- sh- share some nerdy stats along the way. This is kind of rooted in that. Um, it's I'm bringing back, it's not the exact format, but it's rooted in that approach. So let, let's start with the good, then we'll go to the bad, then we'll we'll, uh, we'll sprinkle in some nerdy along the way. Here's the, here's the good deal, Scoot. Last 15 games, you've seen it. You've seen the vision. Uh, over the last 15 games, averaging 14 points, 2.8 boards, 4.3 assists, shooting 40, 40.9% from the floor, 41% from the floor, 35% from three, and 88% from the free throw line on five attempts a game. 4.9 free throw attempts a game, shooting 80, excuse me, 87.7, 88% from the free throw line. Getting to the free throw line, making free throws. Really good. Making threes, you know, still below league average, but a big, 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 big jump over what he was early in the season and taking about three and a half a game. Um, if he's a below average three-point shooter, but right around there, like if he's a 35% three-point shooter for his career, he's going to be good. No, no doubt about it. Um, it's not the separating skill form. We'll talk about that more in the show. But but like if Scoot was averaging 14 and four and shooting 35% from three and 88% from the line for the season, 
I don't think anyone would be freaking out. Like maybe they would say, hey, he hasn't had like a string of monster games in a row or even like, you know, two back-to-back games where it's like that dude is it, where he's just like so good, clearly the best player on the floor type of thing, or clearly the Blazers' best player on the floor. Like there there, there hasn't been that, right? There hasn't, there haven't been those moments. But I think like, and then, but if he was just putting up these numbers as he has over the last 15 games, it's a uh, little over a month. And this is since about January 12th. If you get to go back to Scoot's last 15 games, uh, then he's averaging, you know, 14 and four on decent shooting, not shooting very well from two, but like decent shooting from decent shooting from three, um, better shooting from two than he has all year and, and getting to the free throw line and making free throws. If he was doing that all year, there wouldn't be, there would be no nerves. I think there's some nerves around Scoot because he hasn't been very good. But like, if he was just as productive as he's been over the last little bit, um, you know, the last month, five weeks, yeah, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> like this is this is what rookies look like, and he's and he'll get better. And I think that's the good part. Um, his floor is probably a solid NBA starter. Like I I think that's that's kind of what he's established. I think there were some concerns. Maybe he was less than that because he was really struggling to begin the season. Uh, I don't think people outside Portland... I don't think a lot of people have watched the Blazers. When I hear people com- like worry about Scoot, um, I feel pretty earnestly that you should listen to this podcast because I watch the team all the time. But I think people in this in the market um, here, and, and, and if you're listening to the program, you probably watched at least uh, a, uh, at least many Scoot games, um, except for the handful of you that are unable to for a variety of reasons. But like, I think there was some concern that maybe he was he was. I don't think there was concern locally that he was like not an NBA player, but I think broadly there was. And like, I, I think over the last little bit, it's like, yeah, you can see it. You don't don't need to squint. You don't need to don't need to panic. Like you can just see that he's been good, and it's not this like it's not a thing. Um, he's like a to me, he's a supercharged Ricky Rubio is like his is like his floor right now. And and more on that name later. Rem- put that name in your back pocket for later in the episode. Um, it, like the good, he can really pass. Dude can really pass. Like that is his skill right now. Is that he can, um, he see, he's a willing passer and he is a capable passer. And when he plays at a speed that isn't just only turbo button, the beginning of the year he only played at a thousand miles an hour, and it was to his detriment because he was just trying to turbo into everyone's chest and past him. Um, he'll still he'll still do it from time to time. He'll try to get someone, and you'll see him do particularly with his left left hand. He'll hook. A defender as he goes by him he's like he's just like i'm i'm going this way i'm stubbornly going this way he's kind of gotten that change of pace particularly in the half court like understanding the importance of not just driving a thousand miles an hour but driving 17 miles an hour and then 85 and then 41 and then 75 and then uh, then 100 and then st- slow back down to two or three miles an hour and beat beat someone by decelerating he's, he's starting to get that skill uh, a lot better and and, and when he plays with that pace, like you see his playmaking flash, you see wraparound passes to Jabari Walker, you see little handoff flip inside to Duop Reith and 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 DeAndre Ayton. He's played way better with DeAndre Ayton recently as he as they both have become more comfortable with one another. Scoot Henderson leads all rookies in assists. He leads all rookies in potential assists. He leads all rookies in assists adjusted, which is a stat from NBA.com that includes assists, secondary assists. Well, that's when you make the pass one pass away. So assists, secondary assists, and assists that lead to free throws. So the Blazers, 
like mind you, are the worst shooting team in the league. Scoot's part of that, but the worst shooting team in the league. They're the worst. They're last in the league in effective field goal percentage. They're last in the league in, in true shooting percentage. Give Scoot shooters and give him r- better rim rollers. DeAndre Ayton stops his rim roll all the time in the mid range. It's where he's comfortable. But give him someone who truly rolls to the rim and give him shooters around him, like a really good pick and pop big. big. Uh, maybe Duop Reef becomes that. Or, or maybe he just be, stays solid because that's what Duop is. But give him shooters on, on like actually spreading the floor around him and give him and give him a better rim roller. And like Scoot's going to be a really good passer because he's good at it. Um, you know, this is on a team that has a clunky offense with not enough, like just like well below average complement of shooters around him. Um, Scoot's. Scoot is still just like in terms of volume because he's playing 25 minutes a night and and he makes decisions with like good decisions with the ball in his hands for the most part sometimes he makes bad ones but I think he was early in the years making terrible ones but recently he's made much much better ones Le- all leads all rookies in 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 um in in assists and uh he's and and like I said in in potential assists which is like you know a pass to someone who misses a shot or, or you know could have been if they had made it gone in like he's he's dude can dude is has the chops to be a great playmaker that's the good undeniably good but much 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 better his last 15 games like it's so obvious if you watch him much 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 better and he has the skills that if he had like a much if he had better co-workers and the blazers are you know they're gonna try to build and get better players on the team right um if he had better co-workers better catch and shoot guys and better pick and roll partners his skills are already budding and he would be even better. If you played with people that complement what you do best, then you could be what you are, the best version of yourself more often. That's the good. That's good. Undeniable. Undeniable. 2024 Scoot, significantly better than 2023 Scoot. Let's talk about the bad. Because there there is that, and I think it would be um, inappropriate to not to not address the elephant in the room um, and that elephant keeps missing layups let's talk about that in the second segment first let me tell you about FanDuel it's America's number one sports book and they want you to get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet that's a hundred bucks if you if you win your bet. 150 bucks, excuse me, if you win your bet. Uh, how it works? You go in the app. The app's super easy to use. Uh, I, I think the FanDuel app is 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 pretty is as straightforward as they come. You place a bet, any bet you want. Five dollars. You win that bet. Go bet with confidence. The Blazers uh, open up the second half of the season against the defending champion Denver Nuggets on Friday evening in Portland. Um, you know. If you're feeling froggy, bet on the fighting pinwheels. If you're feeling like you want to bet with the heavy favorites, bet on the champs. And if you win that bet, you get 150 bucks to play with. That's 150 bucks bonus bets. It'll just show up in your app once you win your bet. And then you can make quick bets on whatever you want. Live same game parlays. They got exclusive props all up and down the app across FanDuel. Plus, whatever you're looking for, futures bets and all of that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. That's FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the N. BA. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Look, it's the 
key to building your best version of your business is finding quality professionals that are right for the role. Uh, That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's freaking LinkedIn. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. It's LinkedIn. Everyone's already a professional folks, people who have, who work and who work these types of jobs that your small business is going to need. They're already on LinkedIn, so go where they already are. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have all the time and resources to hire. That's why they're constantly finding ways to make that process easier. They've even launched a feature that helps you write your job descriptions, making that process easier even quicker. That's why 2.5 million small businesses are using LinkedIn for hiring. So if it sounds like something you can use, why don't you go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So the good with Scoot is that I think for a lot of the season, you had to say, He's pretty good considering. He's been good considering. I think you can just say over the last six weeks, like he looks like a, he just looks like a solid rookie. Looks like a solid rookie. Um, he's had some games where he looks just like a solid basketball player. But I think like um, there are fewer and fewer caveats. That's if you zoom in. And here, then, and that's what we do on Locks on Blazers. We zoom in. It's I, I think um, one of the strengths of the show is that I is that I help you zoom in. Uh, and I'll, I'll continue to do that as best I can. But if you zoom out on Scoot, it's pretty bumpy. <laughs> it's a lot rougher. He's the reverse Monet. The farther away you get, the worse it looks. Like if you get up close, you can see like, yeah, he's been way better. If you stay far back, it's like, <laughs> um, He's the reverse. The season is the reverse Monet. Um, there's no way around it. Dude has shot bricks. According to Clean the Glass, indispensable stats website, uh, they got shooting splits based on accuracy at all the different spots at the rim, uh, mid range, long mid range, short mid range, all mid range, corner threes, above the break threes, uh, broken up into all the different spots on the floor. Scoot Henderson is bottom 25% in the league for every single spot on the floor, for at the rim, for short mid-range jumpers, for long mid-range jumpers, for corner threes, for top of the key threes. Every single spot on the floor, Scoot Henderson is in the bottom 25% in the league among point guards, like broken up by his position group, bottom 25% of the league. It's bad. It's bad shooter. He's been, he's been like... Like I said, when when you zoom out, it looks worse. Let's let, let's just like zoom all the way out to his 43 game stats where he's averaging 12.9, 3. 3.0, that's 3 rebounds, 4.7 assists on 37.5% shooting from the field and 31% from 3, an effective field goal percentage of 42.7%. But depending on how you slice it and where you kind of cut the the volume for um 
for games played and minutes played and all that. Like Scoot Henderson is either one of the worst or the worst finisher at the rim in the league, depending kind of depending on how you want to sort the stats. He on the season um, is shooting forty seven point nine percent in the restricted area, well below the league average. That's about that is north of sixty. Uh, it's about sixty one percent, but that includes like centers, right? Like DeAndre Ayton shoots seventy four percent in the restricted area because he has good touch and he's seven feet tall. Um, so like you know naturally little guys are going to be uh, going to be a little bit worse but uh, according to clean the glass scoot is in the uh, bottom of uh, bottom 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 tier at the rim for point guards he's been really bad like i said last last 15 games like you can see it with scoot and the last 15 games shooting 55 percent of the rim much closer to the league average and a significant jump from his season prior to that prior to that last 15 game stretch heading into so this is through january 11th scoot was shooting 45.9 percent 46 percent of the rim like he was he's just smoking layups he's really right hand dominant around the rim but even more than that like just the separation to get off a clean look um the the sort of the the deceleration skill to like get use your speed use your burst to actually like get into someone's chest slow down and get a shot off you can make and not just turbo smash it up there and hope it goes in because you hit the shoot button like you know he's uh, excuse me, I said the league average is 60, 60.1, it's 59.9, I apologize, 59.9 in the, in the, in the restricted area. Um, so like even 55 is below the league average, but he's, he's, he's up there, he's up there, um, way closer than the 47.9 he is on the season and way closer than the 45.9 he was through games played on January 11. Like he is, he is, like I said, when you zoom out, it, it, it doesn't look so good. So let's, let's zoom out even further for a moment. Just look at him on the season. Uh, you know, guys that are shooting south of 41% on twos. Uh, Scoot Henderson is shooting 40.8% on two-pointers on the year. Uh, he is... Before I get into this, let me let me explain my reasoning here. A lot of people think the swing skill for Scoot is shooting threes because that's going to open up his game. I don't think that really matters if he can't make layups. Certainly, being able to shoot threes would give him um, some, A, a better way to score, uh, like or another way to score that would be more helpful. Um, but like, he's if he can't make layups, it doesn't really matter if he develops into being a league average three-point shooter because if he's a well-below-average finisher, his physical gifts and his athletic gifts don't really matter if he smokes layups. If he can't score amongst the trees... They'll just press up on him from three anyways, even if he becomes an elite three-point shooter and force him into traffic at the rim. He becomes easy to guard. For me, the swing skill is the layups because if he isn't, if he doesn't become an above-average finisher, not even elite, but an above-average finisher, his he's probably not a he's probably never gets to that like star, borderline star, all-star level, right? Like he he, he just doesn't get there. Making layups is going to be the thing that separates Scoot. And that's why I'm kind of just zeroing in on the two-point makes. You know, like I said, on the year, 31% from three, recently 35% from three, much better off the dribble from three than he is on catch and shoot. He's just a, more comfortable with his ball in his hands. That's like a thing that the Blazers are going to have to sort out, right? Like, um, typically you think that catch and shoot shots are easier. His comfort zone is the best. Just looking at his shooting splits, a one dribble, like a one dribble uh th- 
shot from from three from Scoot is his most accurate when he has when he has a little bit chance to catch pump fake sidestep whatever it is like um he's he's been more accurate there uh but the finishing is the key part and i'm just looking at rookies since the year 2000 the last 23 seasons 24 seasons um who shot under 41 percent on twos it is not a flattering group teo maladon frank nilakina emmanuel moody jordan pool malik monk manuel quickly those guys are pretty good Kirk Heinrich, Marcus Smart, they made all defensive teams. Marcus Smart's defensive player of the year, but these are not exactly the paragon of offensive of uh, you know offensive stars. These are this is not the the prime of the prime. Guys who shot under 41%, 41% under during the rookie season from 2. You know who else name on the list is Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio was a career floor raiser. He raised he always raised the floor on teams he played for. But he also kind of lowered their ceiling because he had some he had some legitimate limitations, and I think that's the concern for Scoot. Is he supercharged? Is he supercharged, Ricky Rubio? Because if he's supercharged, Ricky Rubio, what is what are you getting from him? Right, you're getting a good player. The Blazers need more than that. But the name in this list that you need to know, and this is the name in this list, is going to bring you. I'll, I'll finish this with the, on the positive side here. There's one guy on this list from the since the year 2000 in the rookie seasons who have shot under 41% from two. Like I said, zoom out, reverse Monet's look a little look a little rough, look a little bumpy. Uh Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's on this list. Kemba Walker has very similar stats to Scoot Henderson's. Shout out to listener Giannis who sent me an email about this uh, back last week, about six, seven days ago, uh, who sent me, who said that Kemba Walker has strikingly similar numbers to Scoot Henderson. Kemba Walker's sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth seasons in the NBA, he was an all-star. It took him a little while to get there, but once he established himself, he was very good. He finished 11th in the Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, he got some MIP votes his second season. And then in by year six, after five years in the league of being solid, he became like a legitimate star and helped the Hornets make the playoffs as their best player and all of those things. Like, I'm not saying that like Scoot's ceiling is Kemba Walker. I'm saying that if you are holding on to hope, like, let me say two things here. As I go a little long in this segment. Actually, let me finish that thought in the second segment, or in the final segment, because I think there's important takeaways from Kemble Walker as the as the best statistical comp in terms of finishers as rookies. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about Scoot's ceiling to close the show, because I, I think those things are intertwined. First, let me tell you about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to its peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits to LED headlights and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your parts are guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. 
All right. Still pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers. Kemba Walker is maybe the best statistical comparison to Scoot in terms of uh, finishers, guys who struggled to finish as rookies. Kemba was 21, not 19 when he came into the league, but guys who really, you know, smaller guards, Scoot's bigger than him, certainly way longer arms and probably has potential to be a significantly better defender. But like, let's say really high end, he's the he's a Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker mashup. But but Kemba Kemba if if Kemba is the high end right of guys who what what I what I mean to to sort of put those names out there it's like there aren't a lot of guys who have turned into who have struggled to score at the level Scoot has struggled to score in his rookie season and have turned into like re- legitimately very good offensive players Emmanuel quickly might end up being a pretty darn good offensive player in the league um, Malik Monk is a good offensive player I I, I think like he, he's like a bucket um, but but you know. The, the the rest of the list is not exactly littered with folks who were like, oh, that dude could score. If nothing else, he could score. Like Jordan Poole was on the list, but uh, Jordan Poole in a worse ecosystem is a nightmare this year. It's one of the least efficient players in the league. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not good. And he was a really inefficient rookie too. And he was, um, you know, was he, for a while in a perfect spot and it, it, it didn't work out for him. And I don't want to paint Kemba Walker as the ceiling for Scoot, right? But I want to just offer that, um, offer that sort of idea, right? Is that if there is hope, it's like not every single player on this list is awful. It's not the end. There is like an obvious high level outcome here that, that that exists. It's just that there aren't many, and Scoot would be an outlier. Scoot would be an outlier. The way Kemba is an outlier on this list, Scoot would be an outlier. And we'll see what happens with IQ. Like if, if quickly ends up being an all-star in Toronto, then this is this list has two names that are outliers and, and you, you hope Scoot would, would, would join them, right? And I think um, I think there's a tendency to say, well, if you ignore the bad parts of Scoot's game, the good ones have been obvious. And I, and I that's why I kind of led with the last 15 games. Like it's been obvious that he's better. But the whole of the season is it, it, it like exists all in the same plane, right? Like it, it they they you don't get to cherry pick um, in terms of like these the this list I brought up is not like predictive, right? It's not it's not predictive, but it is uh, it's worth noting that guys who have had struggles on the volume that Scoot has, and and, and I picked guys who were eligible for the minutes per game leaderboard, like rookies who played a bunch to be on the on that list thanks to good people at stathead for allowing me to look that up um it's a subscription i pay for i guess i allow myself but thanks for the people at stathead for having it um it's it's school would be an outlier kemba walker would be an outlier outcome and the blazers have a lot invested in scoot being more than that. I don't know, more than Kemba. I think that's a four-time All-Star. It's a pretty freaking good outcome, right? But like, if he averages like 20 a game for five seasons, I think it ended up pretty good. But the, the like, when you draft someone third overall and you draft someone third overall in the context of the Blazers draft him third overall and you start him from day one his rookie season, the Blazers thought he was going to be good. I know Joe Cronin at his midseason press conference said that uh, Scoot Henderson struggled in a way that was very believable. Scoot Henderson did struggle in a way that was very believable, but the Blazers didn't think that was going to happen. No way they start him game one if 
if they thought he was going to struggle like he did. No way. No way. They they thought he was going to be much better out of the gates, and he wasn't. And Chauncey Billups dialed back his role and kind of found a place for him to find his comfort zone. And now he's found his comfort zone, and they're going to start him for the rest of the year. And hopefully he continues to play better like he has of late. Nothing about what I have explained in that second segment about Scoot's struggles are... A, incorrect. So then that's all, it's all factual stuff that I looked up prior to recording this episode. And none of it is set in stone that makes, makes you Emmanuel Moutier. None of this makes you Emmanuel Moutier. None of this makes you, you know, Ricky Rubio as your ceiling or like hopefully you become Kirk Heinrich and make an all defensive team one year and play on like a gritty Bulls team as a backup, right? Like none of that is definitive. I don't think Scoot's ceiling has dramatically changed if you thought scoot was transformational generational point guard you should probably still think that but i thought and i will i i will i will say here is that the expectation for scoot should be to make an all-star team or an all-nba team on his rookie contract if you look at other players who are drafted to be lead guards in the top five over the last eight seasons that is a reasonable Darius Garland, Lamella Ball, uh, it's like a re a very reasonable Anthony Edwards. Like these are these are very reasonable expectation. These are what folks are. It's, it's what you're drafted to do. Come come be the guy. I don't think that that should change. I think that what changed for me for Scoot was that the timeline has been dragged out a little bit further. I thought he was going to be ready and better sooner. Do I think he's an all-NBA talent? No, I probably don't right now. I probably don't. I I, I don't. Um, because I think there's too many things that he doesn't do well. Like, he has some tools to be good on defense. He's awful on defense right now in a way that young players are often awful on defense. Um the shooting is there, but he's still below average. The finishing is still a pretty big problem, although he's been much better lately. Shooting, getting to the free throw line, game changer. Absolute game changer. If he's someone who gets to the free throw line five times a game as a teenager, imagine when he's more crafty, gets a better whistle, all of those things. That's a game changer. That's a star level skill. Like he gets to the free throw line basically as, as often as anyone on the entire roster. That matters. I think there is still pretty obviously a very good player hiding in the hiding in some of the big picture struggles. But I think where I have changed my sort of like high-end 95% outcome type of thing is that I don't know if Scoot is an all-NBA type player, but I still think Scoot is going to be a darn good one. Because I think he has skills and physical tools, you know, super long arms, athleticism. Um, although he's not a great in-game dunker by any means. I thought he would be a little bit better in-game dunker. But like the athleticism, the, 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 the length for his position, particularly just wingspan for his position, and the passing ability to be a good, a solid basketball player for a long time. Do I still think he could make an all-NBA team? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I've dialed back my... Um, optimism that he will. But here's the thing that changes for the Blazers. If Scoot Henderson is not the guy, but merely a guy, they are still searching for the guy. 
None of that is set in stone right now. None of it is. But if this season and the way he has performed so far has made you think like this probably isn't the foundational piece to build forward with and he certainly hasn't been that yet it's like he still could grow into that but he certainly hasn't been that yet players improve at finishing Damian Lord spent the first two years under um he's over 50 percent on the year which would be better than Scoot is uh, by fairly significant margin by um but like he's um he was you know it took him till year three to become like a truly solid finisher. If Scoot in year three becomes a well above average league finisher while getting to the free throw line above a bunch and still continuing to be an elite passer and a and an improved shooter, he's going to be a really good basketball player. That seems like a reasonable trajectory. But if he's but if he's merely a guy, right? If he's a guy, if he's a pretty darn good player, high level starter, borderline all star, then the Blazers search for that foundational rock like what you need to be really good in the league is a star right you need stars uh, that's what what's what good teams are built on you need role players off of those stars but you need stars to get there and if scoot's ceiling is that he is a dude and not the dude the search continues and it puts a great deal of pressure on shade and sharp to become the dude but I don't think, I think it's just too early to be definitive. I think hopefully um, in this episode, I gave you some reasons to be hopeful and some sort of honest to goodness facts about why there are some red flags about what Scoot has, has, has been so far this season. He's been way better lately. If the graph keeps going up by the end of the season, when we revisit and we say, hey, what did Scoot look like his rookie year? We'll say for the last 35 games, Scoot was awesome. Scoot was awesome. And so who could be worried? And I'll look back on this episode that I published on February 21st and say, boy, I didn't, I didn't know. And, 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 um, over the last six weeks of the season or or seven weeks of the season, it's like, Hey, Scoot was great. Scoot was really stinking good. And, and you'll be able to point to this and say, here's the, here's the direction the graph continues to go. But I think it is worth considering, um, if this beginning first two-thirds of Scoot's rookie season, first 50-some games of Scoot's rookie season, if this has given you some pause about what his ultimate ceiling might be, then what the Blazers' decisions the Blazers make moving forward should also be in some ways centered around what Scoot's ultimate ceiling might be. That is going to do it for today's show. Come back for tomorrow's show, five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about the broadcast. I'll talk to you soon.